The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Food and Drink Federation's National Food Strategy event. My name is Kate Halliwell. I'm the Chief Scientific Officer at the FDF. Um, and not only is it my pleasure to welcome you this morning, it's, uh, I'm also going to be chairing the first session that we're running. So I was uh, looking back when we were considering this event, uh, when government first announced that it was going to develop a strategy, which was back in the summer of 2019. And the first line of our response uh, to that was as follows. Over the last 70 years, we have begun to take for granted that there will be food on our table. Yet in truth, our food and drink industry is a strategic national asset to be protected. I think the uh, last two years uh, since we made that statement have probably meant that quite a few people no longer take for granted the food that they're going to buy in the supermarkets. Um, or put onto their tables. But it has certainly rammed home the fact that we are indeed a strategic national asset and we certainly need to be protected. And we've seen some of the consequences of when perhaps some of that uh, hasn't gone quite according to plan in recent times. Of course, a national food strategy isn't actually just about getting food on the table. Um, it's much broader than that. We need to consider the environmental impacts of our food, uh, whether it's providing enough nutrition so that we can support people as they make choices around their diets. Um, it's about the kind of trading nation that we want to become. So it's, it's many things uh, to many people. We have already had uh, one very important contribution to this strategy in the form of Henry Dimbleby's report, which was published earlier this summer. Um, and if you haven't already read it, I would uh, certainly recommend that you do. It's a very thoughtful and well-researched piece of work. Uh, as you might expect, we agree with elements of that and we disagree with elements of that. I think, quite frankly, uh, given the breadth of this topic, it would be amazing if we all agreed on the best strategic way forward uh, for food production. I think going forward, what we really need to do is think about how we work best collaboratively uh, to continue to develop thinking and then most importantly uh, to deliver that thinking. And one of the ways that as a food industry we have really been thinking and considering about that is through the Food and Drink Sector Council. For those of you that don't know, the Sector Council is a formal partnership between uh, the food industry and that's the entire food chain so from farmers through manufacturing and to retail and hospitality and um, so a formal partnership with the food industry and government and really the whole purpose of that partnership is to try and make the industry more productive and sustainable and so for us that is a natural place to have really done uh, thinking and work on how we perceive a national food strategy and what's needed in the first session this morning, you're going to hear a bit more about that thinking from the Food Sector Council, as well as from DEFRA on how they are looking to take forward um, the work uh, to develop a food strategy. 
uh, and that's due, I think, to be delivered in early 22. In uh, that session, it's going to last till about 11. And then in the second session, we've deliberately really narrowed our focus down to one element that we don't believe has been discussed uh, too much to date, um, but is critical in the delivery of a strategy. And that is around how do we develop our workforce to ensure that we have the right people with the right skills, which means that we can embrace new practice, we can embrace new technologies, and that we can uh, deliver the food system that everybody is talking about and wants to see in the future. Before I start, I've just got a couple of housekeeping elements for you. Um, so we have four speakers, uh, first of all, this morning. They're going to be running one after the other. That should take about an hour. And then we'll have around about 20 minutes uh, for Q&A. But please do put questions uh, into the questions box already. Um, or as we, as we progress, I'll be monitoring those. Um, and so then don't feel like you need to wait till the end to store them all up. Um, and I think uh, that is everything for now. Uh, and we should get going with the real meat of this session. And so um, it's uh, a delight for me to introduce Stefano Agostini, who is CEO of Nestle UK and Ireland as our first speaker. Um, oh, actually, sorry, I should have said, I'm not going to go through, you'll probably be relieved to know all of the speakers' biogs, but they are available on our website, uh, should you look to uh, want to read them. Um, so Stefano, not only is CEO of Nestle, but uh, importantly in the context of this webinar, he has also really led the work with the Food and Drink Sector Council on delivering uh, our thinking around a national food strategy. Thank you, Stefano. Thank you, Kate. And uh, good morning, everybody. For me, it's a pleasure to speak with you this morning as a co-chair of the Food and Drink Sector Council uh, Wall Street on the National Food Strategy as we launch uh, our report. A report with a name, with a title, Feeding the Future, Working Together to Build the National Food Strategy. First, I would like to, to start thanking my fellow chair, Stuart Robert from NFU, and as well all the Wallstream member and the team of the Global Council for dedicating their time to help to shape our vision for the future of the food system. So this has been a genuinely collaborative effort across the entire food chain from farm to work, and it demonstrates the power of the sector when we work together with a common purpose. So there is no doubt that this is a pivotal moment for our sector, and after facing one of the toughest challenges in recent history to keep our supply chain moving and ensure that people had food in the shop and on their table during the pandemic, we are now facing into new challenges coming out from the pandemic and also following the UK exit from the EU. So like your driver and labor shortages and CO2 shortages, these are issues that demonstrate both the fragility of the food system, but also the resilience of our sector and the importance of working closely with the government across all the relevant departments and administration. So our food system has, built, uh, has been built over the last 75 years to provide the British shopper with uh, an extraordinary range of affordable, convenient, great tasting food and drink from Britain and all around the world. Throughout that time, the food industry has played an essential role in meeting the changing needs of consumers, 
and evolving the challenges of a complex international food system. So there is no doubt that British food and drink is a great success story. But it has also become clear in recent years that the food system must transition to become more productive, more sustainable, more innovative, and more resilient to system shock. The importance of this transition has been laid bare by the impact that the COVID pandemic and the UK exit from the UK Euro uh, European Union. In 2019, recognizing the need for a change in the food system, the government announced the creation of a national food strategy to address these challenges. So building on the independent review of the food system by Henry Dibelby, the government is now drafting its strategy for publication in the coming month. The food industry is united in its support for an holistic join-up food strategy, which is now more important than ever. The Food and Drink Sector Council brings the farm to form, fork food industry together to work with the government to contribute to the national food strategy and to develop a solution for the future, just as we have done in the past. Of course, there are huge challenges ahead of us. We still face significant societal inequalities around assessing food, achieving balanced diet, and tackling obesity. Some of these needs will be even greater as we emerge from this pandemic. On sustainability, we must address concern around packaging and food waste and achieve our net zero target across the whole sector. We recognize that food production does demand a lot from the planet, but it is within our power to make sure we give back what we take. At the same time, the food industry is also emerging as one of the most attractive sectors to work in. In line with the government mantra to build back better, the food sector has so much to offer to the UK economy and to the individual seeking highly skilled career with exciting opportunity. As the manufacturing sector adopts more automation innovation, the traditional image of a factory worker is becoming less and less reality. And our diverse workforce requires more specialized technical engineering skills. There are also significant opportunity with startup and SME. 97% of our sector are SME. These businesses bring new innovative thinking and approaches, and we need to encourage greater investment to all of them to thrive. Over the last 12 months, our work stream has been reflecting on these and on other issues that will shape the future of our industry. The result is this report which showcases the importance of the food sector and which is designed to help and inform the government thinking on the national food strategy. For me, it's also highlight the interdependency of the issues of the sector faces, from productivity and skills, through the interests of consumers, addressing health through better nutrition and having a positive impact on the planet. If we look at this as a virtuous cycle, Working in collaboration with the entire food chain and with the government, our sector can address some of the society's most pressing needs. As an Italian, food is central to my culture, but having lived in the UK for last years, I can also see how food culture is also part of the UK national identity, and which is growing and evolving. The UK offers many exciting opportunities for the food sector, the growth of the direct-to-consumer model, the innovation in plant-based food, the strength of our retail sector, the forward thinking practices of our farmer, 
and the increasing use of digitalization are all assets to the UK. Now is the time for a national food strategy from the government, which recognizes the importance of our industry and provides the foundation for a thriving sector in the future. Our report has solution and proposal to contribute. And our message today is that we should grasp this unique opportunity for industry and government to work together to accelerate the transition of the food system at the time when it is most needed. Thank you. Thank you, Stefano. Uh, that was a really great overview um, and I think very clearly set out how the challenges ahead of us, but how important it is um, and how great it is uh, that we're working on this together. So next, I would uh, like to invite to speak Alex Dawson, who is the uh, practice lead UK politics and policy at Global Council. Um, and uh, Alex has been working very closely uh, with us as we, uh, as the sector council rather, commissioned um, Global Council to really help us to develop our thinking uh, and to produce a report around our contribution uh, into this debate. Um, so, Alex, across to you. Um, thank you very much, Kate. Um, and it was fantastic to be able to work with uh, the Food and Drink Sector Council's National Food Strategy Working Group um, in developing this report. Uh, genuinely, kind of a fascinating bit of work for us. Um, I'm just going to touch on a few things. Um, uh, firstly, just a very, very short bit about who we are and who I am. My name is Alex Dawson, as Kate said. Uh, and uh, I've been at Global Council for a few years. Before joining Global Council, I was a special advisor uh, in the government, um, working at the Home Office at Number 10 of the Cameron Theresa May. Um, and we at Global Council are a strategic advisory firm focused on public policy. Um, first, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we work to develop the report and why that's important. Secondly, I'm going to focus a little bit on uh, the substance of the reports without kind of going into detail on the recommendations, but sort of where we landed up. And third, if time allows, just a little kind of reflection on uh, some of the events at Conservative Party Conference this week and what that means in relation to uh, this report and ahead of its launch um, in a couple of days' time. Um, so, firstly, we at Global Council were brought in at the end of last year to help facilitate the cross industry discussions to. Uh, develop the Food and Drink Sector Council's reports to feed into the DEFRA white paper. And we were tasked by the FDSC with helping them to present a constructive, surprising, sharp approach to the forthcoming white paper, um, representing the sector from farm to fork. I think, sort of, you know, as someone who's been on the other side of uh, the debate, a uh, political individual at Whitehall, um, it's uh, often one of the most helpful things is to have actually a kind of a thoroughgoing, pretty detailed, but constructive, positive contribution from industry that you can kind of get your teeth into and actually act as a basis for conversation in future and a basis for partnership in future, which is ultimately what a lot of the people within Whitehall are actually working to achieve away from all the politics of uh, what comes out of the mouths of politicians. Um, and so this is in the context of uh, all of this, of the terms of reference to the FGSC that emphasise improving both productivity and sustainability uh, of the sector, Henry Dimbleby's two-part national food strategy, obviously which was somewhat delayed by the huge um, uh, efforts and requirements um, 
needs to be made by the industry to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic and also prevent Brexit. Um, the changing landscape caused by those two features, changed habits of living uh, and eating and producing and growing and manufacturing, and obviously a department in DEFRA that is becoming more and more important in Whitehall with every part in life. So just the way that we started to try and go about representing a sector that is obviously very large, very diffuse, quite fragmented at times, that has you know, huge major players like the major retailers, um, Nestle, for instance, large producers like them, uh, but also a large, large swathe of uh, small and medium enterprises that are rooted in every constituency across the country. Um, we started to try and break this down by effectively convening a series of workshops and meetings with the working group, which focused on kind of the following areas which we thought were kind of really key to the discussions um, caused by all the facts that I discussed earlier. So productivity and skills, innovation, trade policy, sustainability, and in this context, sustainability in terms of the environment uh, in particular, although obviously there are many different definitions potentially of sustainability, um, health and affordability, and kind of government industry collaboration. Um, and from those, uh, you know, from those discussions and the follow-on discussions that we had, um, once we had strategic steers in a way from those working group sessions, what was abundantly clear was that the report should focus, yes, on a vision for 2030, but one which was positive, excited about the value that the food and drink sector currently provides to the country, and passionate about how we can improve that sector further. And I think this draws on the idea really that, um, you know, sometimes it can feel like the government looks at the food and drink sector as presenting a series of problems, rather than already presenting a huge amount of value that it does currently, and that actually in order to solve some of the problems that the government and all of us as a society are perfectly legitimate sort of worries and concerns, that you actually need to work with the food and drink sector uh, in partnership with government, with civil society, with society as a whole, in order to meet those challenges. And that the solutions lie with the sector, um, you know, acting with government rather than having them imposed on them by government. Um, so the, the vision that was sort of settled on eventually for the report after a number of uh, after a number of conversations, meetings, taking months, which many of you would have been involved in. Um, and moving on to the second part here about the substance of the report, um, uh, is as follows. Our vision is a thriving UK farm-to-fork food sector that is innovative, collaborative, and globally competitive, that provides fantastic, affordable food sustainably and by highest standards, that supports healthier diets and encourages better choices, that offers exciting business and employment opportunities throughout the food chain, that reconnects people with the food that they eat and the natural environment where it is grown, and that together this creates distinctive and much-loved food culture in every part of the country. Um, and that last point sort of picks up on what Stefano was saying at the start of this session, um, and which I think really came through in terms of the personal experience of the people around the table, uh, uh, was that actually sort of the best and most motivating and powerful thing uh, to kind of inspire action um, is uh, the idea of an improved food culture and actually sort of seeing food in its proper place as central 
to our lives, to our family lives, to our society, to our country, to our economy. Um, now, obviously, sort of that's all well and good, but clearly there need to be um, a series of kind of more detailed recommendations and more concrete steps that the government um, can understand, that the industry can rally around. Um, and we decided that the best way to sort of tackle these was to break them down into a series of, sort of smaller visions under which there would be a roadmap, uh, a set of concrete metrics um, for success, um, and some key recommendations which you know call on both the, the industry to act but also the government to act. And the organising principles here are for a more productive, highly skilled sector, a food and drink sector that is more innovative, a food and drink sector that trades with ease at home and abroad, a sustainable food and drink sector for the future, a food and drink sector that provides healthy and a food, affordable food for all, and a food and drink sector that works hand in hand with the government on the big issues. Um, and I think all of these sort of touch on frankly, sort of political issues that we've seen in particular over the last two years, that time of that time frame that um, Kate referenced at the beginning uh, of this session, um, uh, whether it's the Marcus Rashford campaign around free school meals, uh, whether it's the closure of hospitality um, outlets in order, to protect, uh, in order to protect people's health as a consequence of the pandemic, uh, whether it's the trade disruption and the problems that we've seen as a consequence of Brexit and the wider sort of issues with the supply chain um, uh, following the end of the pandemic and that kind of, all these bottleneck issues that we're seeing. Um, uh, and, and crucially, these kind of detailed recommendations underneath it that actually provide, uh, hopefully, um, a series of things that uh, the industry can use to get the changes that it needs to see out of government in order to make sure that uh, we have a much more peaceful and um, a better few years ahead of us than we have in the last few years. Um, I think sort of one of the things that sort of sort of surprised me a little bit uh, coming out of this, um, obviously there's a great deal in there about obesity and the work that needs to be done to um, improve skills and productivity and innovation. And I think there's a lot in there that is actually genuinely innovative and different and interesting and can change the conversation that the industry often has with government. But a real focus as well on partnership between the sector and the government, um, whether it's making sure that there is a kind of creating a coherent approach um, for the effective delivery of food policy across Whitehall departments and the devolved administrations, um, whether it's making sure that the government works in partnership with the food sector to increase the GVA generated by food and drink by a third by 2030. An industry skills campaign that champions great vicious food and drink, um, really kind of leaning into what the government wants to do on skills. And all of this emphasizes partnership. And I think it provides uh, something that the government can um, hold on to and provide something that, uh, you know, hopefully embeds this relationship into one all. Um, for a much longer time period, it means as well that kind of uh, like uh, you know, like the famous fable about sort of it's easier to break one stick than it is to break um, a bundle of wood. Uh, the, the actual the, the food and drink sector council truly representing farm to fork um, is going to be much easier and much better uh, at representing itself or or has greater opportunity to represent itself to government. Uh, on the detail of the issues in the future.
Um, obviously, all this sort of uh, conference takes place in the context of what's going on at the moment in um, Manchester with the Conservative Party conference, where we've seen a number of statements by Prime Minister, the Treasury, and uh, the Chancellor, the Business Secretary, the Home Secretary, um, about shortages, about what's going on in terms of um, services on farms. Um, and I think what is clear is that you're seeing here a party that doesn't really want to um, that doesn't want to grapple with these issues in public. That is going to be naturally defensive over these issues, as frustrating as it may be to many of the people on this call, um, and uh, which is going to kind of instinctively lash out sometimes when challenged by these things, quite rightly by um, many of the people on this uh, on this webinar. Um, I think, though, Conservative Party conference is always a fractious and febrile time. Uh, and I believe that this report that is being published in due course can provide uh, the work and provide the substance for a more constructive relationship in future, which can be conducted with DEFRA, I think a sponsor department that is sort of genuinely serious about bringing the food and drink sector uh, along with it and making sure that it is stronger in Whitehall, has a couple to claim in Whitehall. Uh, and I think ultimately sort of provides that, um, that constructive ballast for discussion away from the politics and away from some of the sound and fury uh, that we've seen over the last few days. Um, look, I'm going to wrap it up there, but very happy to sort of obviously discuss with, uh, with you all later. Um, and I'll hand back to Kate now. Great. Thanks, Alex. Um... Uh, a tough task we asked you really to say, can you give us an overview of a report that we don't actually publish till uh, Friday? But hopefully that's a bit of a teaser for people and do look out for that publication. Um, next up, I would uh, like to invite Laura Chapman to speak to us. Laura is the head of food strategy at DEFRA. So she has uh, the, I'm sure, delightful task of organizing and bringing together everybody's inputs and thinking to uh, actually come up with a cohesive strategy. So uh, good luck with that one, Laura. Uh, but across to you. Thanks very much, Kate. You make it sound so easy. Um, yeah, as Kate said, I'm Laura Chapman. I head up the food strategy team in um, DEFRA's Agri-Food Chain Directorate. Um, my team's been in existence for about, about a year now, actually. So we've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, and kind of as, as Kate alluded, our, our focus very much is trying to build what is that that cohesive, that comprehensive um, story that works within DEFRA and across government as well. Um, so thank you for having me today. There are kind of five things I was going to cover. So I was going to look at and talk about what the aims and objectives are and how we're approaching the government food strategy, um, where we are currently, a little bit about our approach and how we're looking at um, this very much as a kind of a systems thinking piece. Um, how the food strategy will fit into the broader landscape of priorities that this government has, and then a bit about our kind of a plan and next steps and, and where we currently are. So to start with kind of the aims and the objectives, I think the government really clearly sees this as a massive opportunity to set a direction for the food sector on the back of the pandemic and Brexit and kind of in the context now as well, it really is an important and the right time to be looking at the system as a whole and trying to set that in its future direction. 
Um, we see it very much as an opportunity to define what we want from the food system and how the food system can help tackle problems that we as a society face. Um, and we're thinking um, of how we frame this food strategy in, in three tiers. So we the analysis and the evidence that the independent review of the food system led by Henry Dimbleby presented. We're also then looking at how the food system touches across different government departments. So we are looking at other areas that perhaps Henry didn't pick up on, but we're looking very much at things like labour and skills, looking at the role of fisheries and marine play, and also thinking about kind of industrial prosperity and growth and exports and the angle of things as well, because we think it really needs to be a holistic picture. And then kind of thirdly, we actually want this to be a strategy. So we're trying to think about how does it align to other government priorities um, and really set it in the context that this current government is in. So thinking about fiscal pressures and, as I kind of said, we want to try and address and acknowledge the short term challenges and set them in a strategic context as well. Um, the food strategy will be England only, but we really want to consider where there are elements. We're working across the UK and with our, um, our colleagues in the devolved administrations make sense. And we've got an open dialogue with them as we develop our thinking. Um, uh, but at the moment, we're kind of very much still iterating our, con our the content of the food strategy with our ministers and with ministers across Whitehall. Uh, so where we are at the moment, kind of areas of focus. Um, as I said, my team's been in existence for years. We've been thinking about this for a while. We haven't just been waiting for the independent review. This has been very much seen as a government strategy that is going to go much, much broader and further than that. And we've been um, looking at what we think are the problem statements, we're building what Henry said around the junk food cycle and the invisibility of nature and thinking about those feedback loops in the system. We're trying to go back a little bit to first principles and think about what it is that we want to achieve, what does good look like, and then test different options of policy interventions for how you might try and get there. Um, at the same time, we are looking at the recommendations that Henry posed to the government. Um, and also in tandem then developing kind of lots of different policies from a government perspective that we might want to include in the food strategy. Um, another big area of focus, so like today, doing lots of talking and listening to stakeholders really, really matters to us. What does industry want to see? How they see their role as part of delivering this change in the system? Um, and where uh, we might people might agree or disagree with some of the analysis um, and options posed by Henry. And also thinking about what the role of government and what the role of industry is and then how that differs across the supply chain as well. The other main area of focus is joining up across government. So I spent a lot of my time doing this. We have got really, really good relations with officials in departments such as the Department of Health and Social Care, Food Standards Agency, um, uh, BASE, Department of Education, DWP, Foreign Office, uh, Department of International Trade, it is really, really big and cross-cutting. We have formed working groups on different areas um, and at official level, we're really, really seeing this as a joint endeavour, which is really positive. Um, so I was also going to talk about how our approach to systems thinking is developing. So we're very much looking at everything holistically, understanding there are connections across the food system and you can't tackle elements in isolation. Um, we're thinking of where there might be levers that can help you deliver both health and sustainability outcomes at the same time. How would we bring our thinking together and not fall into the trap that we sometimes do as government, which is to operate in our silos and think about things with a bit of a blinker on. Um, so our thinking at the moment, we've tried to split things thematically, very much kind of 
as I know that the uh, Food and Drink Sector Council have as well, because you have to try and break down this big problem uh, into smaller parts. So we've got themes around growth and prosperity, so thinking about the role of innovation and research and development, um, and bringing in their kind of other new areas like labour and skills, um, thinking about sustainability, not just um, on farm, but a lot of focus that builds on what government are already doing about environmental land management and regenerative farming, but thinking about post-farm gate sustainability and all the way through to food waste as well. Um, definitely thinking about diet and health and um, how that is a, a universal, universally available option to everybody and really working very closely with our colleagues at the Department of Health and the new improvement in disparities that's been set up. And then also kind of we have a theme which we're kind of calling governance, which is very service ism but it's really thinking about how the system works together and how it can help govern and where responsibility sits to try and drive a positive change and what the role might be there for things like data and consumer information um we know there are lots of cross-cutting levers so i mentioned a few innovation regulation data there's a question mark about legislation and where that might be needed um and i can't really say how it will eventually kind of land in the in the strategy that we publish but we really recognise that there's a role that different elements and interventions can bring and really want to try and present this as a, as a strategy. So with a clear sense of direction of travel and a sense of priority and how government and industry and consumers will work together to deliver that. Um, so a little bit about the broader landscape. So I'm sure you'll be aware there's lots going on. Um, there have been a few strategies already published by the government. So there was the Build Back Better initiative, there's been the innovation strategy, we'll shortly have the net zero strategy and the government's also working on um, a plan for levelling up. So with all of these, we're trying to understand kind of where those drivers and um, goals and objectives are heading and how we can embed and sit this food strategy in a way that um, really uh, delivers and, and, and kind of um, sits clearly within that bigger picture. Um, so in terms of kind of where we are at the moment, as I said, we are very much testing our ideas with our ministers and the developing thinking, um, and we are focusing very much on our links with other government departments. Um, engagement, as I said, we have a regular dialogue with the devolved administrations to test where things will make sense to work across the four nations. Um, and then in terms of engaging stakeholders, we're speaking at about every forum that I think DEFRA convenes at the moment. We really want to engage the people to tell us where they want us to focus, how we can also bring other departments into that engagement. Um, we're having bilaterals and specific discussions, and we might do some focused roundtables on particular issues. We want to see how things go. Um, I should also say that the, the document that we publish won't be the end of the story at all. In fact, I think it might be a bit of the beginning of a continued process. So engagement will very much continue well into 2022. Um, there's been quite a lot of valuable insights today um, and from the Food and Drink Sector Council report. We look very much uh, forward to continue to working with them to flesh out the detail and how we can build a clear role for Sector Council and industry in delivering the strategy with the government. Um, I think I've rattled through, but I will leave it there. I'm very happy to take questions later. That's great. Thanks, Laura. Uh, and I will take this opportunity to remind people that they can put questions into the chat now. 
uh, which we will use for our panel discussion uh, at the end of the session. So we're going to move on to our final uh, speaker in the first part of the session, which is FBF's very own Ian Wright, uh, who is our CEO uh, and is also co-chair of the Food and Drink Sector Council. Over to you, Ian. Let me first of all apologise to my fellow panellists for not having been here for all of their uh, individual contributions. I was just at a, a meeting of the F4 group, which meets every Wednesday morning with the ministers and, in fact, today with the uh, permanent secretary on this uh, on the current issues in the food and drink industry. And as you will have heard from Stefano and uh, from others, from Alex and from Laura, there are many issues that are extremely pressing, and I'm sure all of you are engaged in them, uh, some of them. So, I mean, this is a really interesting moment to be discussing the long term. Uh, and the national food strategy is, of course, an absolutely critical component of the long term uh, of our industry and of, uh, in fact, of the crucial role that food and drink play in our national life. Uh, and it's quite interesting to kind of consider this at the same moment when we're really in the middle of some very, very urgent short-term crises. And just one example of something I really didn't know uh, until about 20 minutes ago. Um, whereas the long term is the question of what do we do about meat and protein? What do we do about obesity? How do we link the issues of uh, climate change and the role in which food and drink at all points in this supply is very complicated and very effective up until relatively recently? Supply chain, how do we make sure that the whole of the food and drink industry contributes to the net zero ambitions which so many of our businesses and indeed which our country has uh, are very very crucial questions alongside that what we have to consider literally this morning is the question of what we do with 120,000 pigs that are going to have to be slaughtered in the next probably uh, three to five days and what will we then do with uh, the 15,000 tons of pig meat, which will have to be in some way destroyed. And I imagine that what we will end up doing is seeing as some of us did 20 years ago with the, uh, with the foot and mouth crisis, we will see pyres burning at the head of each valley in the, in the whole of the UK as those pigs are destroyed. Now, that's a terrifying prospect. There are apparently only 50 vets who are qualified to see to, to supervise that destruction. And that, in microcosm, to me, tells us two things. One is it tells us that it is urgent that we begin to, um, we begin to force government uh, of, of all colours into the consideration of a food strategy which can absorb the shocks and changes that the government, this government particularly, wants to bring about in terms of the wider picture of society and the role of, of, um, of workers in society and the question of wages and, and Prime Minister has been very clear this morning and yesterday morning that he wants a high wage, high skill economy. Well, so do we. Uh, and that is at the heart of our national food strategy contribution from the Food and Drink Sector Council and it will be at the heart of the things we want to say on behalf of the Food and Drink Federation itself. Um, but coming with a high wage, high uh, skill economy are some costs 
and some concerns. And the strategy that, that emerges at the end of the year or the beginning of next year will need to take account of both these macro issues that I just mentioned, and there's a long list of others, and of these very, very urgent problems that we see made manifest uh, to us today as part of the consequences of the government's decision, perfectly legitimate decision. They have a mandate, they have probably the biggest mandate of any government since the Blair government in 1997. Uh, they certainly have a, a they certainly have a, a, a level of popularity that seems uh, to defy gravity, but is nevertheless there uh, for a pretty tight immigration policy. And it is interesting that when so when someone as eminent in the Conservative Party as Simon Wolfson, the chief executive of Next, makes what seemed to many people to be an, a, 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 an interesting and thoughtful contribution on the way in which some of the current problems might uh, labour problems might be uh, dealt with, he is pretty much slapped down by the Prime Minister uh, very very firmly. So. I don't think we should assume that we're going to get anywhere on some of these labour issues in the short term. But I do think that means that we have to deal with those short term issues in some way in our industry. And we also have to think that that is the context in which this national food strategy will be created over the next few months and maybe a small number of years. And I, I think that's an important truth that we all have to absorb and it's interesting to me that 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 is something that has really only emerged in quite such sharp relief uh, over the last few days and it's clear that the government has made its choice on these issues and we are all going to have to live with that so some of the things we've said in our various submissions on the national food strategy and some of the things that Henry Dimbleby has said are going to need to be reappraised. Some of them are going to be need to give, need to be given much more prominence. So our very strong preference for a high skill for government to uh, play a role in uh, facilitating uh, and enabling the emergence of a high skill uh, group of workers in the food and drink industry. That is something that we need to accelerate. Um, we need to talk pretty openly about the link between wages and consequent increase in prices uh, and I think we should get ready as I actually said last week at a, a conference with the Grocery Code Adjudicator, I think the next few months are going to be pretty bumpy in the conversations between uh, our members in food and drink manufacturing and the members uh, and the retail community uh, because there are going to be some pretty punchy, there's going to be some need to pass on a huge number of the costs that we now are bearing, not just about wages but the highest gas price in history, similarly, oil prices going sky high, and a whole load of other commodity and other costs that are coming in, uh, and we're going to have to think about how the national food strategy sits in that context. Because for the last forty years, we've had a price war that that has ensured that food prices remain extremely low in this country, and I'm sure other contributors have made the point that they are amongst the lowest in the world. And we, food price inflation is not something that, that uh, when he wrote his original uh, report during the, crime, uh, the, in the middle of the pandemic, or his second report, the plan, these are not, it, Henry Dimbleby would not have been expecting food price inflation in the highest single digits and possibly even into double digits 
at the end of 2021. But that is exactly what we're getting. In fact, I, I understand that food price inflation in hospitality at the moment is running at about 12 or 14 percent and wage price wage inflation is running at 18 percent in hospitality so those costs are already being uh, passed on in that sector so clearly retail is more important but again this is a change of context in which our national food strategy must land having said all of that i remain pretty optimistic about the opportunities that um that the, the moment to consider the national food strategy offers for both the country and our shoppers and diners, and also for our members in the across the food supply chain. I, I do think that the focus on food and drink, although at the moment it seems to be in the context of a, uh, of a, of a difficult debate between government, or at least between the prime minister and industry, and it's not just the food industry, it's all business, I think. Um, that debate will be helpful and will illuminate the importance of food in our national life, will re-emphasize the importance of food in our national life in exactly the same way that uh, we heard from uh, all of those who followed the, the way in which food played a role in the COVID crisis. I think, I think we can all be very proud of our colleagues across the industry from farm to fork who stood up and went to work day after day in the most difficult and actually quite often scary of circumstances and were able to deliver um, an amazing array of food to pretty much everybody in the country over that period. Uh, and I think it's now important that we don't forget that as the current crisis rages. We need to remember that food is right at the heart of the national conversation. Uh, it's also right at the heart of the uh, of of the of the way in which our country sets itself up. So, as I've often said, if you can't feed a country, you don't have a country. Government's first duty is to make sure that the country is fed, and as a consequence of that, we have an important place at the, in the national in the national debate. And it, it's also the case that it's a subject which the British people absolutely love. Witness all the television programs and radio programs and acres of print and online devoted to this subject. So I think we should be pleased that we are in that privileged position. Uh, I think for decades, uh, ministers have regarded the automotive and aerospace industries as the most important in this country. And I think they're now beginning to realise that, that the industry we're in is of absolute importance. And therefore, the contribution that the Sector Council is making to the debate this week and the contribution that I know all of you will want to make in our discussions in the next uh, few minutes are really, really important. I would say just two or three more things, Kate. First is, I still believe we need a bold strategy. We need to be confident about our future because we are assured that we have a market of 70 million people who want to and have to consume our products. Virtually no other manufacturing industry of any kind has that and we should be and we also have products which people absolutely love and that is also something that we should be very prepared to leverage we must build i would say in our our report and our contributions to the debate with defra really require us to build a that high skill fair wage uh, uh, and and very very open industry from farm to fork and i realize the challenges that this will uh, bring across 
all of those sectors. We need to build a sector which is much better at exporting than it has been. And I hope that eventually the government will get around to, uh, in, to implementing the recommendations of the Trade and Agriculture Commission, both on food standards uh, for imports and trade deals, but also on initiatives to support exports, particularly in England. We have great initiatives in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Nor uh, the Republic of Ireland shows us the way with bald beer. The English food industry is completely uh, unpro is not properly represented in all of this. And it's a great shame that David Rutley's initiatives that, that just before the uh, COVID crisis weren't followed through to create some sort of English food council. And I really hope that that will be followed through as a consequence of either the Trade and Agriculture Commission report or the uh, or it will be woven into the fabric of the national food strategy. So I do believe that there are big opportunities in exports. We must maintain the highest possible standards in imports. And I do think there's a big opportunity for us to be, I, I know the exit from the EU has left uh, us in a difficult position about regulation emanating from Brussels. But if we do end up joining the Trans-Pacific Partnership and, uh, the, the, and we do end up in a, in a free trade relationship with all those Asian countries and with uh, uh, particularly with Japan and Australia and so on, I think that there is a big opportunity for us to become, uh, for FSA to become the regulatory beacon for food standards in that grouping and as a consequence become something of a counterweight to the EU. Now that will only happen over a long time and I know many of my colleagues think I'm completely bonkers suggesting that. Uh, but I do believe it and I do think that there is an opportunity which government needs to think about and to seize as part of our national food strategy. It isn't the central point, but standards and the standards of the food we produce, the standards of the food we import and the standards of the skills that we have uh, amongst our workforce are at the heart of all that we do. And I do think it's really important for us to keep that in mind as we debate these issues. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector.